0: Welcome to Tractionville, the podcast dedicated to companies that run on EOS. I'm your host, Chris White, along with... Benj Miller. And today, we've got a great
1: friend of mine, an entrepreneur through and through, Adam Strange. Welcome, Adam.
2: Yeah, hey, guys. Hey, Chris. Hey, Benj. Glad to be here.
1: So, we tend to skip all the fluff in this conversation, um, (laughs) but I need the backstory. Tractionville community needs to hear the backstory of... Uh, your entrepreneurial journey, because I don't think you could have written this in a fairy tale um, if you were just making stuff up. So tell us how you got started in, into uh entrepreneurial world and then where it's led today.
2: It's funny to look back on it now. So I got started selling deer stands for handicapped hunters back in uh, the early nineties. And my dad started the business he had a passion to help disabled hunters uh, have access to the outdoors. So we quickly decided that was a m- much more fun relational business than it was a business that was going to actually make money. So we started evolving the business. I got involved, we uh, got more involved and took over the business a little while after that, and we began to to put that concept into portable observation towers that security departments used and uh, Knott's Berry Farm in California was our first customer and then we started getting into police departments and then we moved that concept and took a a commercial version uh, of an elevated guard tower to the Border Patrol and they said hey we love this thing can we have it for a while and see what we can do with it so after about three months we went back down and found it Completely destroyed uh, with hardly any recognizable elements to it. Uh, lucky for us, they said, you know what, this is too commercial, but it's fantastic. If you can build the rest of it out with these specs, we're in. So we transitioned into Homeland Security as a result of that. Uh, not long after that, we got into selling to the military. And not long after that, 9 11 happened. So we became, we went from selling. Hydraulically elevated honey blinds to selling high-end security equipment, and then eventually, we started selling autonomous surveillance systems. <laughs> um, <clears throat> the problem was is that neither my dad nor I knew how to run a business, so we um, we figured a lot of things out, but we ended up getting uh, getting over our skis and had too much debt and typical stuff entrepreneurs do. And um, but we found a we found a private equity group that was doing a roll-up in 2005 and they bought us uh, along with a bunch of other companies. Um, So I came in and had the privilege of running uh, one half of the company that focused on high-tech surveillance. Um, I stayed on with that company. Uh, We ended up taking it public about 2007. It became ICX Technologies and a $200 million company made up of uh, about 16 or 17 small private businesses Is a tough thing to take public and we we uh we endured some hardships for that too uh but we managed to pull it together and make it and we sold to a um a large defense contractor out of out of oregon in 2010. so my journey from being a salesman in the hunting blind business to um traveling all over the world and selling border and, and operating base protection systems um took place over that 12 to 15 that,
0: that's, years. That's quite a, <laughs> that's quite a story.
1: That's incredible. And so I could, we could, we could keep going cause you, that's not the end of the story, but <laughs> let's pause there for a second and say through that journey, what did you know by the end of that story that you wish you could have told yourself at the beginning of that story?
2: That's a great question. So <clears throat> a few things that, you know you price the product based on what the market will bear not based on what your costs are um, get advice from people that have been there earlier in, earlier in the in the game and I think just knowing that if you've got the grit you can get through it
0: mm. at what point did did you get introduced to EOS on on your entrepreneurial journey
2: so I actually got introduced to EOS after That sale was completed, and I transitioned out about 2013 um, and started my own uh, holding company, investment company, and started investing in businesses. And I got introduced to EOS probably about 2014, so I've been a proponent and champion um, ever since the last five years.
0: How many companies have you implemented EOS into?
2: I am involved in around seven companies now. And I, so I have implemented or helped implement in all of them. Wow. Um, probably there's a couple I'm no longer involved with. So probably nine or 10 companies total.
1: You went from not ever using this to, I'm not going to ever not use this. Um, you know, you said it almost like it was a light switch, but tell us, talk, talk us through how you got from one side to the other. What was it that attracted you to it? How did you first get it uh, integrated and what did you see as a result that, that made you such a fan?
2: So a little background so the, the company that we bought took over, you know, it, it was growing really fast. And so I, I had done my own clooch <clears throat> together version of EOS because I had read Vern Harnish and I had read uh, Lencioni and read uh, good to great. Mm-hmm. So I had a, uh, I had a weekly meeting. It looked a lot like Lencioni's description. We had a, a rock process, but my, it was always evolving. And I was always having to defend, you know, why are we doing this, why, why, what is this, what is a rock? And so I, I found it was, it was me having to go figure out how to explain it and how to put it together. So from that background to when I saw EOS, the 90, the, the 90 day present, or the 90 minute presentation, uh, I said, okay, you just took everything I've been trying to figure out and put together in a very kludgy way and you've packaged it into one system. So for me, what EOS did was I no longer had to defend the process I wanted to run. I just blamed it on the on the EOS <laughs> process.
0: <laughs> was there any one or two particular tools that allowed you to, you could just implement and run with and make an impact right away?
2: The Well, the obvious ones, the, the vision building, the VTO, has really set the stage. Yeah. And then the thing that was um, probably the most appealing, you know, I've been in, we've all been in meetings where we debate the difference between a vision and a mission. And we've been in meetings where we wordsmith these things. The thing that I probably hooked me on EOS is when it was all about getting traction and we'll get, you know, we'll eventually get to all that stuff, but let's just go start making progress. Right. So that VTO that's setting the rocks and, and the L10 uh, was game changing for,
0: for us. Do you need help hiring your next superstar? Have you ever hired someone to learn that they don't align with your culture and core values? Vision Spark is the go-to resource for companies running on EOS. Their team of search professionals are experts in people. Vision Spark's proprietary process ensures that you hire the right person for long-term cultural fit and bottom-line growth. Let Vision Spark strengthen the people component of your business. Vision Spark Right search, right team, right seats. You can visit VisionSpark at VisionSparkSearch.com.
1: Adam, I want to ask you about something that that may not feel like a strength in this conversation. Uh, And that's the VI pairing. Because you are uh, an incredible visionary, but you're also astute enough to be able to muscle your way through being an effective integrator so you've had to sit in that VI seat longer in, in times and periods in some of these organizations than you would have liked. Talk about that and talk about uh, the mind space um, that you're in doing that. Because I think that that's a challenge for a lot of people as they're adapting EOS and they're not sitting in a structure that has that pairing or the ability to make that change right away.
2: Now, it's a great question. And it's, it's a, it's really a constant, I don't say frustration, but it's a constant grind. Uh, when I take the test and you know, I know from just knowing what puts energy and what doesn't, you know, I score really high on the visionary and really high on the integrator. Uh, so situationally I've had had to be the integrator the company I'm in now. I, I, I really function more as an integrator um, because the, the, my partner is truly a visionary. Where it falls apart, where it gets challenging is that, you know, I, I know how to fix things. I know how to, and I get energized by fixing them. I don't get energized by sustaining them. And that's the true test of knowing, you know, the visionary versus the integrator. Yeah. So, so your quote about having to muscle through it, that's exactly what I do. But knowing that really it's not my best, it's not my best seat.
1: Yeah. And you've, uh, you've also spent a lot of time and now cautiously are, are possibly in that season again, evaluating, bringing in an integrator into the business from the outside. And that's such a scary move for a lot of people uh, because it takes so much relational equity for that, that VI let's call it a marriage for a moment um, to, to make that jump. I just want to see what, what the Tractionville community could learn from how you've learned to think about the process or, or success or the criteria, like talk about that journey.
2: It's been a long process. I mean, I've, I've, known and kind of been recruiting him for almost a year now. And we finally decided, okay, we're going to, we're going to try this out to find how we did it. And I I got to see his, his work product in a, in a couple of areas and it became clear really quickly that, you know, it it confirmed that I'm not really an integrator because watching somebody who's actually skilled at it is a, um, it's magical to watch Mm because it's it's not, it's not an effort for them.
1: So the person that's, that's thinking about this or they're, they're ready. They, they have that, you know, not in their stomach that this is, this is essential for them to, to really break through the ceiling. What advice would you give them as they set out on the, the journey to, to find that right man or woman?
2: I would say if you, the first thing you do is if, if you haven't understood and really took the test and understood the relationship between a visionary and integrator, if you're not willing to let somebody play the role of, hey, if if you're looking for an integrator, if you're not willing to let somebody play the role of integrator, you're not ready to bring an integrator in. If you're not ready to be challenged on things and actually look at things differently. So that's the first step. Um, And then secondly, just being so aware of where where, where your gaps are and being able to recognize that, okay, the reason I get frustrated or lose energy in this is because I'm not wired for it. So Watching, watching where uh, I, I think the mistake that's made a lot of times you think you find an integrator and you just open the door, you let them come in, they're going to take over. <clears throat> it's not the way it works. You know, there's a, there's a really, it's got to be a really close kind of intentional process to make sure that the, the, the language is understood, that the, uh, the rhythm is there, that there's a, um, you know, a working communication and style that's going to um, that's going to allow you to work together Uh, I've made the mistake in in, in thinking I had an integrator, and it's probably my fault, ended up having to let them go, because I didn't didn't give them the right onboarding. I didn't didn't get them up to speed um, with me. I I assumed they knew what they were doing, and I walked away. And I think that that understanding that dynamic of understanding where your holes are and where your weaknesses are, and then understanding that somebody comes in, they still got to get up to speed, and they still have to be brought in properly make them successful
0: yeah and, and you're referring um, to the the rocket fuel assessments the visionary assessment and the integrator assessment in your due diligence of, of you know working or uh, communicating with this person did you did you have them read rocket fuel
2: I did that's the starting point so okay. yeah before you can come in you've got to understand this relationship of what we're trying to do and get the language down so yeah, I have anybody that really anybody that, it, on the executive level team that's come that's come in has read the book it, to, at minimum to understand. You know, when I say I'm a visionary, what that means. Yeah, and then also to understand, you know, how they how they assess themselves. So, and I want to know whether they score high and whether they, whether they're energized by the answers to the questions.
1: So let me catch what you just said you not even the integrator, but the other people in your senior leadership team, you want, you want to know whether they're which way they're wired.
2: I want to, yes, I want them to know, and I want them to have a context for the conversations. I want them to know, you know, here, here's why we're doing it this way. And you need, you need to get the visionary integrator role. Even if you're not either one of those, either one of those buckets, you're sitting in the leadership team. You need to understand it.
1: Right. Adam, I want to, I want to take you into your, uh, PE space in your modern life for a couple questions, but I want to start with, um, I think it's the company where you spend most of your time and are most actively involved, but you got in and, and like most acquisitions, it was all roses and then you got under the cover and there was a lot of work to do. How did EOS play a role in... I don't know if you would deem it a turnaround uh, or, or not, but, or maybe an internal turnaround, but through that process, how are you able to you know, do what you did with that business?
2: The energy it took to get this turnaround done was, was I mean, it was exhausting, but the, the re-energizing every quarter and kind of reminding everybody, it, it, it was a heads-down approach, everybody's working their tail off, and that nobody had time to do an off-site type stuff. So, when we did the offsite, we never left one where it wasn't like, wow, that's exactly what we needed. So I think the discipline of of getting together and reviewing things and getting out of the day-to-day and resetting your priorities and just doing that over and over and over is I give that a tremendous amount of credit plus just the fortitude of the rest of the team to, to do it.
1: Yeah, and I don't know if it had anything to do with EOS, but I remember you doing, taking some extreme measures to get hyper vigilant on very specific things within the business, there were some that took a lot of energy over a long period of time. How did you? How were you able to stay sane through that process?
2: Well, I'm not sure I'm sane. I think <laughs> <laughs> it may have cost me a few years.
0: Wait, he is an entrepreneur. You know that, right, Ben? <laughs> the
2: the um, what I figured out was, you know, it was a lot of it, it was a lot of prayer and a lot of um, you know humility to try to get feedback and perspective but really what we what we did was just looked at little victories so you know there'd be times where you know my partner and I would just get it it was so exhausting and so overwhelming and then I would continue to go back and say but look at where we were 9 months ago look at where we were 6 months ago yeah. and and it just became this wow you can see the flywheel starting to move so that was um that's how we I would say that's how we got through it is one little victory at a time. And then you just kept seeing victories stack up and all of a sudden the operations running better, the process are being followed. It's, you know, it's not, you know, still a lot of things to work on, but the, the turnaround is complete.
0: Well, you know, we get, we all get so busy, right. And we're all, you know, especially in an entrepreneurial business, maybe a small to medium size, we're, we're wearing more than one hat. Right. And, And uh, we're running around doing a lot of things. And when that happens, you know, you get sucked in. And having, you know, that discipline of the L10 where you can step out of the business to work on the business for 90 minutes and keeping the circles connected and keeping the communication tight so there aren't any gaps. Um, I I like the little victories. You know, football is a game one in inches, right? And Mm -hmm. And business can be the same way. Because we get too busy and we get sucked in, we start to not see or celebrate those small victories. And so I'm really, that's a point that I'm really glad you brought up because we don't do enough of that. Adam, what do you look
1: for? What are you looking at when you're evaluating a new business? You're you are involved, I think you said seven to nine businesses. Uh, that's a lot. What do you if if a new business came across your your desk today, or if somebody out there is thinking about a new line of business or a new business, what what would you coach them to think about?
2: You know the the, the what I would tell them is the market that you're in determines a lot. It doesn't matter how good the product is if you're in a bad market. So understand the market you're getting into um, is is paramount. It doesn't matter how good or what problem you're solving if the market's not big enough, it, it, it isn't going to do any good. The the other thing, of course, is you know that I you know I'm the things you're passionate about. Is, that's what everybody always says. I, I enjoy business. You know, my my coach mentor said I've never met a business I didn't like, and um, so I can find that can find reason to be passionate about a business. But over the years, I had a, an advisor that he had a famous for giving me a phrase. And, and I think this is fantastic. He said, it is far easier to get into something than it is to get out of it.
1: <laughs> yep.
2: So, so now when I get into things, I am looking very seriously at the market. Um, you know, is it, re- what's going to happen in a recession? Um, you know, what are the fundamentals like in the business? Do they, you know, is it something I can fix? You know, cause there, there are three main, there are three legs to the stool. You got you know, sales and marketing, you know, operations and finance mm-hmm. and generally, uh, none of my advisors has said, y- you want, you're looking for a business. You're looking for something that has one broken leg, not two, um, and something you know how to fix. If I look at things now that I never looked at before, you know, I look at tax returns, I look at payroll reports. I look at, uh, I dig into the balance sheet in a whole different way. Uh, it takes buying and getting involved in a couple of bad businesses to, uh, to heighten your senses when you get into a new one.
1: And what are you, what are you looking for? What are your red flags?
2: Well, first of all, to make sure that, you know, when the, the P and L that I'm reading has um, <laughs> it, it, that it traces through to the other elements, you know, that it's not just a, um, looks good on you know, a, a good way to shape a P and L. Uh, but I'm looking for, you know, does, I'm looking for is, is how's cash changing if I'm buying a business, you know, how's cash changing from one period to the next is, because uh, the P and L is going to tell me, you know, what you know, kind of how 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 you categorize things, but w- whether the liabilities are going up or down is telling me whether the business is is truly generating cash or not. Um, and then really understanding the sales process, I love to know like what is the sales process? How does how do you go from lead to uh, to close? And what is you know what does it look like? So it just gives me a situation or a, or a context of the business uh, to get a feel, of, and then go look into the the other elements of how can I grow it? Um, so that's, that's typically the way I approach it.
0: Adam, you've mentioned a couple times um, your mentors or advisors. Is, is, is that critical to have uh, in, in being successful for you?
2: Well, it, you have to be a lot smarter, <clears throat> somebody had to be a lot smarter than I am not to require mentors. I, I don't know, I think my, my business is for sure that I've been involved in, have made it because of advisors and, and coaches. My um, my marriage is probably still intact because of the, the mentors and the coaches. I don't know how in the world anybody could or would want to do it. Yeah, without, uh,
0: you used without the, the, the three-legged stool analogy, and I, I use that too slightly in a different way. You know, I've been an entrepreneur now for 30 years, and when I look at the successful leaders around me, Uh, and especially I've been teaching EOS for eight years now, you know, there's three common things that I see. All great leaders um, have an operating system in their business. They belong to a peer group, and they have either a coach, mentor, or advisor for themselves. And it seems the combination of those three really, you know, give them a solid foundation, um, not only for the company, but for themselves.
2: Uh, I would agree completely um, I'm involved in all three of those, and it's it really is perspective changing to be able to because what what it makes you realize is with a coach, you got somebody who can who can objectify a problem with no um no emotional attachment to it mm-hmm. and then when you sit in a peer group, you realize, oh gosh, I'm as flawed as the rest of these guys. We all have issues, and it it's a reassuring thing to think you're not on an island out there by yourself and you're the only one dealing with these things. There's nothing new under the sun. It's all been dealt with before. And chances are you are sitting next to somebody who's been through it last week. <laughs>
1: That's right. Adam, we love to ask all of our guests two questions as we wrap up. The first one, uh, your life is intentional and intense. So what is the most unproductive but life-giving thing that you do? <laughs>
2: You know the, the temptation of the motherhood and apple pie answer. I love my family. We we have a great time together. But if I'm really saying, what do I what what do I really check out doing? It is when I'm either I'm catching something with a hook or I'm pursuing something with a bow and arrow.
0: All right,
1: <laughs> is that
2: Are a, those a... two things? I am completely checked out.
1: <laughs> do those count as clarity breaks? <laughs>
2: I'm. I'm adding a definition so that they will. Yeah. And there you go. I'm
0: done with <laughs> that. Fly fishing, clarity break all over it. The second question, what's one piece of
1: advice that you'd pass on to the tractionville community? If somebody, if you could, if you could have one message, live on in eternity from this conversation, what would it be?
2: You know, we've already talked about it. Really it, getting a mentor is to me is paramount. I mean, mm. it's coaching or I had a board of advisors for a long time. Uh, I've got coaches, I've got peer group. That's very important. Um, Remembering that it's as an entrepreneur, it is easy to get into something. It's hard to get out of it. And I think from a straight EOS standpoint, um, I've seen bad implementations of EOS. I think that the advice that I would give is that EOS is a tool and it's not an answer. Mm-hmm. And I, I think if you understand and use EOS as a tool, it is extremely powerful. <laughs> if you think it is the answer, uh, I think it, it, leads to, it leads to bad um, bad outcomes. So I think understanding the DOS
1: is a tool. Adam, thanks for sharing this time with us. Tractionville, thanks for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you rate us, subscribe, and as always, share with a friend. We would love to also hear your ideas. You can share them with us at TractionvillePodcast.com. And we release an episode every Tuesday. So we'll see you next week for Tractionville Tuesday.